All right, um, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank You for another day of life. Thank You for Your hand upon us, Lord. Um, Father, I'm reminded of the, the way the Passion Translation translates the, the expression Selah, Lord. It, pause in Your presence. And so, Father, we just take a deep breath now. Let it out slowly, Lord. And we're going to pause in Your presence. We acknowledge Your presence in this room. We acknowledge Your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We acknowledge Him as our teacher. That Jesus, You said He would lead us and guide us into all truth. You said we have an anointing from the Holy One and that we know all things. And so, Father, I thank You tonight that um, You are revealing all things to us. And Lord, as we um, humble ourselves before You, we thank You, Father, that You're going to show us some things tonight we've never seen before. And Father, we're going to embrace those things. We're going to lay hold of those things aggressively, Father, um, with our hearts by faith. And Lord, those things are going to renew our minds and they're going to transform our lives. And so, Father, we thank You for revelation tonight, not just information, not just education, but for revelation from the Holy Spirit. Um, Father, that You would give me utterance that my spirit, soul, and body would become a portal through which Your wisdom can pass from eternity into time and space. And, Father, that we would all leave this room, Father, in a little while, uh, energized, uh, stronger in faith, uh, more aware of You and Your goodness than ever before. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Well, I wanted to start the live stream and the recording before um, uh, I made this announcement because, again, we have uh, really a lot more people that are taking the class online uh, than are actually attending uh, here in the room. And it's a great crowd. You guys have been so faithful this year. So, so encouraging. Let me say thank you if I haven't said that already. Um, one of the lies the devil told me many years ago is that, they're just, that people just weren't interested in this stuff. And boy, he is a liar, and you've proved him a liar. And um, your hunger and your desire to know the truth um, and, and, and the effort that you've put forth week in and week out uh, to come and be a part of this class. I know sometimes you've come like me when you hadn't felt like it. Sometimes you've come when you've been li literally physically sick. Um, other times you've come when you're really tired in your body and, and are just had a case of the DWs, right? They just don't want us. But, um, but here you are. Amen. And um, I just pray that, that, that God is doing in your heart and life what I believe He's doing in your heart and life. And, and uh, so good things. Amen. So, uh, of course, um, a week from yesterday is Christmas, and so with the holiday season this year, uh, we will be taking next Wednesday off, so no class or service here at Heritage next Wednesday night. Um, so our next class will be on January the 2nd, so while we'll be taking, we will take the day after Christmas off, we will not take the day after New Year's. So January 2nd, we'll be back together. So uh, enjoy um, your, uh, your Christmas and your holidays, and, and Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all that to everybody. Um, and so uh, let's enjoy that break, and then we'll get back in the new year. And something about a new year, isn't there? I mean, it's just there's, it, it almost just begs for new commitments and fresh commitments. And so um, I pray that this class is part of what you're looking at uh, as far as the new year is concerned. Amen. All right. With that said, let's um, let's kind of dive right in tonight. Just we'll begin with a brief review. Um, we're answering this question: What is man? It's part of a trifecta of questions. We said, What is man? Um, then uh, who is man, and ultimately why is man? And we like to personalize that. What am I? Who am I? Why am I? Praise God. And we said we've got to answer those questions in that order. Because although your purpose is such an important thing for you to understand, um, and we have commented on that briefly as we've worked our way through some of this material, um, until you really understand what you are, you're in no position um, to understand who you are and then again, we said your identity will unlock your purpose, your destiny. I have people all the time ask me about that in their life. And, 
and I wish that I could. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will give me, uh, you know, different things and, and words and glimpses. Um, but, you know, ultimately what, what we're looking to do here is, um, is grow up into the things that Father has for us. Amen? And, um, and, and I'm telling you, you know, Proverbs 4 and 18 says, The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter to the perfect day. So the idea is the more progress you make on the path, the more clear, the more obvious um, the path that God has, uh, an eternal path that He has established for your life before you ever were even formed in your mother's wombs. That path becomes more clear and more clear and more obvious and more obvious. Amen. All right, so in the course of answering this question, what is man, we've been laying down just uh, point by point. First thing we said is that man is a God-class being. Man is a God-class being. Second thing we said, number two, and we spent most of last class on this one, that man is a spirit being. Man is a spirit being. Um, did that help you? Those of you who are here for that, did that, I mean, I, I, I know that we got to move on, and I'm very tempted to spend, uh, you know, some more time on that tonight. But we, 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 we've got to renew our minds to that, my brothers and my sisters. We, we, we got to recognize that, that we are a spirit being. Uh, we're not physical beings trying to have a spiritual experience. We're spirit beings experiencing a physical reality. And um, our, our connection with God is a spiritual connection. Um, the real you is that spirit that's inside of your, your body and, and, and even inside of your, your, your soul. Um, uh, and um, the part of you that was born again is your spirit. The part of you that believes God uh, without question is your spirit. Um, the part of you that can do all things through Christ is your spirit. Amen. And so what we're, what we're looking for, and we begin in our understanding of discipleship, we said for the inward realities of the new birth to become an outward expression of our daily lives. Amen. And so that person you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, that's deep inside of you. And discipleship is about bringing that out. Amen. And you experiencing and enjoying that. And so the real you, again, is that spirit being, we talked about the kingdom being given to you, the kingdom being inside of you. Again, if you, if you don't have any understanding that you're a spirit being, um, the Bible says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Faith, again, discipleship is about taking what is in you in spirit form and bringing it forth from you uh, into your life reality. Uh, sounds bizarre unless you've ever had an apple. Amen. And that apple came out of that tree. That apple was inside that tree and it came from inside that tree out. Amen. And so again, everything you need has been given to you in spirit form, in, it's inside of you, in your spirit. Amen. And, um, and so, again, we're touching two worlds at the same time, learning how to walk by faith and bring those things that are inside of us out of us. Amen? Amen? All right. So, uh, I know some of this is a little new uh, because we, you know, if, however old you are, chances um, pretty good that most of those years, I'm 51 years old, and, and so, you know, you live 10, 20, 30 years uh, in, in, you know, one way, thinking one way, um, it, it takes a minute and, and absolutely takes the Holy Spirit and the Word of God um, to begin to renew and recondition and, 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 you know, reprogram. I know some people don't like that, uh, that terminology, reprogram, but we've been programmed by a broken system in this world system, by, by a system that is supported and functions by sin. And, um, and so it, it takes a minute for for all that to, uh, to be reprogrammed. But, 
the, the sooner we begin to see ourselves as a spirit being, um, one with God in our spirits, amen, that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. He sings over you while you sleep and standing at, the, at your bedside waiting for you to wake up, amen, uh, so He can go do life with you, amen. And, and we begin to understand that reality. It makes a tremendous, tremendous difference in our lives. All right, we introduced this third uh, answer uh, Last uh, end of last class, and that's where we're going to begin tonight. Number three, we said, what is man? Man is the legal authority on earth. Man is the legal authority on earth. Okay? I'm going to say it again. Man is the legal authority on earth. You ever been in a situation, let's say maybe it was a, a work situation, and it wasn't really clear who was in charge? <laughs> You ever been in a situation like that? It's like, man, who's in charge here? Who, who's running this, you know? Um, sometimes, you know, if, if, it's not a, if the person that's in charge is not a very strong leader, you know, you may have somebody that's supposed to be in charge, but really somebody else is, is, uh, may not have the title, may not have the name tag, may not have the office. Uh, but it seems more like that person's in charge than, than the guy that's supposed to be, right? Uh, and that's the thing about about leadership and authority, it creates a vacuum. In, in, in other words, if, if you're a part of a, an organization or, or, or let's say, a, again, some form of employment, and um, if there is no leader or if the leader that's supposed to be leading is not leading, uh, it's going to create a vacuum and somebody's going to be drawn into that. Somebody's going to be pulled into that, that leadership position. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay. So um, when we look at this on a much larger scale, and and again, we've got to answer this question. What is man? Number three, man is legal, is the legal authority on earth. In other words, we, we may not think of ourselves this way, but I'm telling you, according to God's Word, um, we're supposed to be running this down here. We're supposed to be in charge of this down here. We're supposed to be ruling over this created realm through our spirit connection with our Heavenly Father. Amen. God didn't just create you to rule over you. As a matter of fact, I don't even think He really created us with the idea of ruling over us uh, in mind, per se. I believe He created you to rule through you, not rule over you. He wasn't looking for somebody else to, to be in charge of or to be responsible for so He would feel bigger or something like that. You know? um, we try to understand God sometimes according to the broken mindsets of this world. You know? And uh, you know, any leadership position in the kingdom is a position of servant service and serving and servanthood and uh and so when father created you he, he created you to, to 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 serve you and and to humble himself and, and and to all the way to the death of the cross for you amen and so the idea that he just wanted somebody else to boss around uh no 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 um he wanted to share himself with you and um and god is a conquering spirit uh he's a ruler and he created you to rule and reign in life he created you to rule and reign in life. Amen. We fell from that high and lofty place, but Jesus came and restored us. Amen. And so that's why Romans 5 says, you've been given an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so that you might rule and reign through the one Christ Jesus. So again, He didn't just create you to rule over you, but I believe what He ultimately had in mind was to rule through you. Remember when we talked about Lucifer and his undoing, that, that when God's plan to create you, His plan was to make you ruler over all the works of His hands. Meaning everything that God created, you 
have the authority and, and, and rulership over. This was God's plan. Again, what is man? Man is the legal authority on the earth. Now, I know this verse is probably deep in my notes, but it just it's popped up twice in my spirit now. So, um, in, the, in the book of Romans, don't turn there, just listen to me. I'm trying to give you a little bit of an overview, then we'll start unpacking this, all right? In the book of Romans, the Bible says that this, this planet was subjected to futility because the, the, the dude and dudette that were supposed to be running it um, flew it into the side of a mountain. In, in other words, they, they literally brought a curse upon the earth. The Bible says this earth was cursed because of what Adam did. It was cursed for Adam's sake. Amen. Because of, 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 the, of the sin and the mistakes that Adam made. Right? And yet, the Bible says that even the creation itself is longing for the sons of God to take their rightful place. Have, have you ever... I, I keep bringing this back to... Um, the, the example of something that maybe you've experienced as far as leadership and someone's supposed to be an authority. Have, have you ever been in the situation where you needed, you needed the person in authority to make a decision? You needed the person in authority to do their job? You, you needed the person... Because again, maybe it's, maybe it's folks goofing off or if you're in an industry where people can get hurt, you know, some kind of manufacturing, something like that, and it's really not your place to correct them. But, but the, the guy or the gal that's supposed to be in charge, that's supposed to be uh, you know, overseeing it and, and, and orchestrating it, um, is not doing their job. And so things are not working as they should be working because the person that's supposed to be flying the plane, the person that's supposed to be piloting the boat or whatever, is not doing it. All right. So if you can understand that concept, God said on a creation scale, Create, one translation says all of creation is on its tiptoes, longing for the sons of God to take the rightful place. Longing for us to take our rightful place. Amen. So we look at this world and, 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 and the brokenness of it, and we just flippantly say, well, God is in control. Well, what if the Bible says God put you in control? <laughs> you know, we... we we want to say, well, God's in control, and somehow He just... Ha no, no, let, let, me, let me tell you where God's in control. God's in control in heaven. That's where God's in control. Do you know what the crime rate was in heaven this morning? Zero. Amen. Amen. So, you know, well, you know, God's in control. If God is in control of the earth, He's doing a pretty lousy job down here. You say, oh, Pastor Mark, you just blasted Him. No, I didn't because He's not in control. We're the ones... That, this, that authority has been delegated to, to rule and reign over this planet, and we're not doing our job. And part of the reason we're not doing our job is because we don't know it's our job. Nobody's ever explained to us that we are legal authority on planet Earth. Amen. Alright, now I usually give you all these long spills about don't get all upset and don't get mad at me, all that stuff, but I think you had already got upset and got mad at me a long time ago, so we'll just save you all that tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Praise God. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to learn some stuff tonight. Amen. It's going to help you. Praise God. See, the devil's been reaching over and popping you in the back of the head and, um, and, and, and blaming it on, on God, you know. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you ever seen kids play that game where they, you know, they reach over and pop somebody and they you know, look around and, 
and uh, they, they tell, you know, it wasn't me, it was somebody else, whatever. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly what the devil's doing. I mean, he's reaching over and popping you in the back of the head, and, and, um, and then you start figuring out it's him, and, and he, no, no, it's not me, that's God. And, and then, you, you know, you, you see him do it. It's like, yes, it was you. And then he says, well, God told me to do it. And God didn't tell him to do it, right? I mean, again, it's just we got to get these things straight. All right, let me get a drink of water here. Okay, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I had you turn there and I didn't turn there myself, praise God. Amen. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Verse 28, and I apologize, I don't have this one on the slide. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, of course, you know, Genesis is called Genesis because it is the Genesis. It is the beginning. And when we go to the beginning, we go there to understand very, uh, you know, specific things, very specific details about our existence. And we see that when God created us, He said, let us make man our image, our likeness. And then that phrase, let them have dominion. Okay? One translation says, let them rule. Let them have dominion, or let them rule. Okay? Now, that word dominion, it's an interesting word. It is um, a derivative or... Um, it, 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 in other words, it comes from the concept of domain. Have you ever heard that expression, domain? So he's, he's talking about uh, ruling over a specific domain. That's what it means to have dominion. So God has dominion over all things, but He has delegated authority or dominion over the domain that is this earth. Now, we see a little more of this in verse number 28. Now, look, look at me again for just a moment before I read verse 28 again to you, okay? I know I've said this a couple of times already. I'm going to say it again. We have to re recall it now, all right? And that is, God's revelation of Himself to man is progressive throughout the Scriptures. And so, we, we have seeds of things that are planted here that will be expounded upon throughout Scripture. Okay? Now, obviously, Romans 8, the verse that I mentioned uh, earlier, I think it's verse 21, I'll write that down, we'll get there later, but, you know, where he talks about all of creation, um, you know, looking for the sons of God to take their, their place of dominion, that, that it was Adam who subjected creation to futility. 
And, and so, obviously, that is a, a much larger uh, expansion of what we're seeing seeds of here in Genesis 1. In other words, let, let me say it another way. If all that we had in the Bible about our dominion and authority on planet Earth was right here, then we would say, well, we got the right from God to hunt and fish. Right? And, and have babies. Okay? But we, we don't just have the book of Genesis. We've got 65 other books in God's holy word that builds upon this fundamental uh, aspect of our creation and God's plans and purposes uh, for us. So what is man? Man is the legal authority on earth. Now, let's go to this verse 28. Then God blessed them and said to them, okay, when the Bible says that God blessed them, we, we need some deeper understanding here. Because when we think of blessing, we think maybe just initially of two things, right? What we say over the food or what we say when somebody sneezes. And, and, and the concept of blessing is so much deeper than that. What he's communicating here is an empowerment from heaven to prosper. Empowered to prosper. This word blessed means empowered to prosper. So when it says that God blessed them, He literally is releasing an empowerment. He is releasing an enablement. He, 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 is, he is releasing an ability, a supernatural ability from Himself, empowering Adam slash mankind to, to function in five very important ways. Now, I refer to these five things as the five royal mandates. Amen. And, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, all highfalutin on you with that kind of talk. But these things call for big words. The, the, this is important, right? In other words, if, if, if these words um, were an event, they would be a formal event. Um, they, they would be a tuxedo and evening gown event if these words were an event. You understand what I'm saying? This is important, and we need to recognize the importance of it. So, hence the, the expression, the five royal mandates. Amen. Now, let me also go back to one thing that we said when we were studying about the Word of God. We said that all Scripture is what? It's inspired, which means it's God-breathed. It's God-breathed. And, and so you can't speak without breathing. God can't speak without breathing. So that means every time that God speaks... He releases His breath, right? The same breath that He breathed into the nostrils of Adam. The breath of God. The life of God. Amen. So when God spoke and blessed, or I'm sorry, when He blessed them and said to them, He literally blessed them by saying to them. In other words, when He spoke these words, He released a blessing upon them to operate and function in these five areas. Okay? So notice they are what? To be fruitful, number one. Multiply, number two. Fill the earth. I don't like the, the New King James Version here. The accurate translation is to replenish the earth. To replenish the earth. To fill up the earth. To replenish it. To subdue it, number four. Number five, have dominion. Okay? So, are you with me? Five specific things. It's sad to me 
But, but the, the average Christian um, understands what from this? Have children. Procreate. Okay? And that's only one part of one of these royal mandates. You were created by God to be fruitful. You were created by God to multiply. You were created and blessed by God. Are you, are you seeing this? To, to, um, to feel, to replenish the earth, to subdue, and to have dominion. Now, let me, I'm not here to teach, we could teach all night on these. I'm just, and we have in the past, we've, we've got long sermon series on these things. But I'm, I'm wanting you to just consider some things here. First of all, when he says, fill up or replenish the earth. Remember, the Garden of Eden had limited dimension. In other words, God created the heavens and the earth. He then spoke into the darkness, pushed back the chaos, the disorder, the, 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 the disarray, amen, that, that, that was you know, the, the conditions in which God began to function. When He spoke into the darkness, remember, it, it was without form and void and covered in darkness. Genesis 1 and 1 and, and verse 2. Well, you're right there. Let's just look at it. Praise God. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God begins to speak. Okay? Now, that, those words, form without form and void, they're two very powerful Hebrew words. And they rhyme, tohu and bohu is the transliteration of those words. And it literally means a chaotic mess, disorder, disarray. Um, in other words, there, there, was, there was nothing in alignment. There was nothing um, that, that worked together or functioned together. And not only was there chaos, not only was there disorder, it, it was gross darkness. And so the first thing that God did is He spoke into the darkness and He said, let there be light. Am I right about this? He said, let there be light. And the Bible says there was light. Now you realize that there's light before there's luminary bodies. It's not until later that the sun, moon, and stars are coming because the entrance of His Word brings light. Now, His, His Word being inserted into that darkness created an envelope of light. And, and I'm telling you this because I want you to see something that's, that's extremely important, okay? It did not vanquish the darkness. When God said, let there be light, it's not that now there's only light and no more darkness, but He spoke into the darkness and said, let there be light. And so I could act it out this way if you're listening by um, just podcast. I'm, 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 I'm doing my hands together and pushing back like I'm pushing out an envelope or an opening, right? So He says, let there be light. He inserts His Word into the darkness and His light pushes the darkness back. But the darkness is still there. Are you, are you hearing me? The darkness is still there. He then, in this envelope of light, He creates this place called the Garden of Eden. The whole earth did not look like the Garden of Eden. It was the garden spot of the universe. Amen. I'm trying to think who I heard say that. Praise God. I, that's not my quote. Uh, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know. I'd give him credit if I could remember. If you're listening to this one day and think that guy stole my line, amen. You said it. Praise God. The garden spot of the universe, okay? And so we see that God then put Adam and Eve in that garden, and then He told them to fill up the earth, to replenish the earth. In other words, to go into all the world, right, and reproduce the conditions that were present in the Garden of Eden until the glory of God covers the entire earth. Now, 
when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, he exposed himself and the whole human race to the darkness, to the chaos, and to the disarray, amen, that he was supposed to be the answer to, that he was supposed to rule over. Let me say it another way. If there's no threat, then there's no reason to equip us to subdue anything. If there's nothing to subdue, there's no reason for us to be empowered by God and given jurisdictional authority in our domain to, to bring anything into alignment that gets out of, out of line. But God's saying to him, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm empowering you to rule and reign, and I'm empowering you to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth, right? And I'm empowering you to subdue anything that gets out of alignment or is in disagreement with my plans and purposes for your life and for this planet. Amen. Now, what I'm offering to you is, this wasn't just for Adam, this is for every one of us. And as a matter of fact, we see all these generations later that we are now generation Christ, chosen uh, royal priesthood, chosen generation, holy nation, that's you and me, amen? And what did Jesus say to us? He said, now go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, the commission is still the same. Go fill up the earth. Go fill up the earth with the glory of God. Go fill up the earth with the knowledge of God. Go fill up the earth with, with, with the light of, of the gospel. Are, are you seeing this? And, and if you find devils and demons that, that are messing with folks, put them in their place. Cast them out. I give you authority to tread on them. That's what he said, right? I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Go speak with new tongues. Go lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So it's the same five royal mandates. We've just got to understand them in light of the, the dispensation, big word like mayonnaise, the season, the timing in which we now exist. But nothing has changed. Whew, praise God. So you've been blessed. Amen. You have been empowered to prosper. One of the things that I talk, I think I mentioned this when we were speaking of, of the Scriptures and studying the Scriptures, a very fascinating way to study the Scriptures is to study this blessing. God blessed them. They lost the blessing. The blessing, we see its return, right? We see that, 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 uh, that Noah was blessed. We see that Abraham was blessed. We see that, that the descendants of Abraham, they fought one another for the blessing to be handed down to them. And we, and, and we see this, it goes all the way through the Scriptures until we see in the book of Galatians that... Um, that Jesus became a curse for you and me to redeem us out from under the curse that Adam brought upon us all so that the blessing that was upon Abraham might now come upon you and me. Amen. Alright. <sighs> Let's keep moving here. You get anything out of this so far? So, let me... We said, let them have dominion, let them rule. Let me give you another verse right quick. Psalm 115 and 16, it says, The heaven, even the heavens, plural, are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of men. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of men. So the earth's been given to who? It's been given to you and me. Alright? Now, let me give you another verse, and I'm not trying to confuse you. We're going to offer, I believe, what is a Spirit-inspired explanation. But Psalm 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell 
therein. Okay? So, it's like, well, wait a second. It, it seems like, and there's other verses, I could have looked at multiple verses where one verse says the earth's been given to you and me, and then another verse where it says the earth belongs to the Lord. And, and then another verse that, that, you know, again, that seems to contradict one another. Well, let me, let me try to, um, to explain it to you this way. Um, there is the authority that comes from ownership, and in that respect, the earth is the Lord's. He created it, and He owns it. Amen? But part of the authority of ownership is this idea of delegated authority. Where when someone owns something, they, can, they have the right as the, as the owner to authorize other people to be in charge, to, to, to be over. Now, the Lord has uh, blessed Pam and I, and, um, and we, uh, we have some rental properties. And, um, and, and we're thankful for those. Amen. And when you have a rental property, you have something called a lease. And that's when someone enters into an agreement with you and, and they're going to go live in a house that you ultimately own. But when you have a lease with that person, you're delegating authority to that property, to that particular individual. Are you with me? I'm sure some of you in here have probably signed a lease before or own properties that you have leased to other folks. Now watch this very carefully because this, I think, is how we need to understand this. God owns this planet, but He has leased it to you and me. When He said, we created it, but we're going to let them rule it. We're going to give them dominion over it. We're actually going to empower them from heaven with what they need, equip them with what they need to rule the earth, amen, and all that we created in it. Alright? So now... Do you see how this explains the difference between, well, is it, is it God's or is it ours? Well, it's, it's both. Now, here's an interesting thing, okay? Once I enter into a lease agreement with some family, some, some in individual, to, to move into one of my homes, okay? Now, legally, even though I own that property... I've got to get their permission to enter it. If I got a, if I got a lease with somebody, I can't, I, can't just, I can't just use my key anytime I want to go walking in the house that I own. I've delegated authority over that property to them. And so if I'm going to enter into a property that I own, I've got to get their permission Watch this now. Even if I'm going there to fix something that's broken 
in that property. We got a toilet that won't flush. So we done call the landlord, come fix the toilet. Now the landlord's got to get permission to come fix something that's broken in something that he owns but has delegated authority over that property to somebody else. Are you with me? Is this making sense to you? So when we say man is the legal authority, legal authority being one thing, authority of ownership being another thing altogether. So what is prayer? Prayer is you giving permission to the landlord to interfere into the domain that he has delegated to you. Are you seeing this? In other words, we got to give him permission to come into the earth to operate on our behalf because again, ownership authority, legal authority, two related but different things. Now if I'm freaking you out, just stay with me, okay? Turn with me. I read Psalm 24.1. I want you to turn and I'm going I'm to read the entire psalm to you. But let's go to Psalm 24.1. Psalm 24, let's begin at verse 1. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, some of you are like, I ain't never heard nothing like this before, Pastor Mark. Well, let me apologize to whoever has been your pastor all these, for all, you know, for all, who, apologize to you for whoever's been your pastor all these years, right? We need to know this. Amen, we need to know this, right? We need to understand this. It's kind of like back to your spirit being, and if you don't know it, that gives your enemy an advantage over you. Because you're trying to fight him in the flesh, and you can't fight him and win in the flesh. But if, because your weapons are not carnal, they're not flesh and blood weapons. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle spiritually against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, right? But see, if you, if you don't know this, you, you think all you got to use against him is your own good looks and your own intelligence and, and your own ability to manipulate situations in your favor physically. No, 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 no. See, you're a spirit being. And, and, and remember, you, you're just a little bit lower than God. The Bible says you're seated high above every devil and demon in heavenly places. And you've got authority over them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, Psalm 24. And um, I'm going to give you ten verses here. You ready for them? It says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Remember, ascend means to go up. Or who may stand in His holy place? See, people read this and they're going, oh, nobody, nobody. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Well, let's pause for a minute. I want to make sure you understand that you qualify. This is an Old Testament criteria. This is an Old Testament requirement. Amen. But... What you've been given as a New Testament born-again believer far exceeds these requirements. Not only have you been given a clean heart, you've been given a new heart. Amen. Not only are, are, are you, um, you know, uh, clean hands, uh, but you've been given the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so we're not just talking about ascending into the hill of the Lord. 
We're talking about being seated together with Him in heavenly places. Amen. So, it says, He shall receive blessing. There's that word again from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of His salvation. This is Jacob. The generation of those who seek Him. Who seek your face, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that first phrase in verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Wow, wait a second now. Gate with a head on it. What in the world? And be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. So now, again, notice what he's saying here. He's saying that you are the gate by which the Lord enters into the earth. That you are the gate. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Amen. And what? The King of glory will come in. You are the means by which Father God accesses this creation. Well, i got to give these verses to you. Not all of them. Let me give you, starting in verse 7, from the Passion Translation. Amen? Um, so, either draw your attention to the screen or just let them wash over. You don't try to follow along in the King James or another version, alright? From the Passion Translation, Psalm 24, verse 7. So wake up, you living gateways. Lift up your heads, you ageless doors of destiny. Welcome the King of glory, for He is about to come through you. You ask, who is this glory King? The Lord, armed and ready for battle. The Mighty One, invincible in every way. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you ageless doors of destiny. Here He comes. The King of glory is ready to come in. You ask, who is this King of glory? He is the Lord of victory, armed and ready for battle. The Mighty One, the invincible commander of heaven's host. Yes, He is the King of glory. Man, I was sitting there the other morning. It was pretty early. I was reading that in the Passion Translation. And that part about He's about to come through you. Amen. He came through me. I mean, I'm like, Shazam, man. I'm like, what in the world? Praise God. Amen. So are you seeing something here now? Are you seeing something? It's important that we see this. Praise God. All right, so... The, the idea, the point, the statement is, what is man? Man is the legal authority on earth. And now we've seen where the earth is ours. We've been given dominion over it. We've been given the, the empowerment by God to fill it up and to multiply and to oversee and to have dominion and to subdue things that get out of order. Now we see that we are the gateway and that we... we um, are the ones who allow... Remember, now, if, if this is all we had, but this doesn't stop here, does it? Remember Matthew 16, 19? Remember Matthew 18, 18? Basically said the same thing. Whatever you release on, on the earth, having already been released in heaven, whatever you uh, bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, right? Shall be... In other words, we're the gatekeeper, right? God's already stopped it in heaven. 
He's saying now, whatever you stop on the earth will be stopped on the earth. Whatever, Remember, he's got his key in and turn. We've got to put our key in and turn. Amen. In order to launch the warhead. So again, we see that God gains access into earthly affairs through His people. Through His people. We are the ageless doors of destiny. Come on now, is that not... If that, if that don't light your fire, you woods wet. Who said that? Amen. Come on now. Thank you, G. That stirs me up deep, deep, deep inside of me. Praise God. All right, let me give you a, a, a few more verses. Isaiah 59 and 16. Listen to this one. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. Isaiah 63 and 5 basically says the same thing. I looked, but there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me, and my own fury, it sustained me. Now, what are these verses? And other ones like it. What God is saying, He's giving us a glimpse of the other side of the curtain, the other side of the veil. God's in heaven looking down upon the earth, and He's trying to find a man, a man with a womb, a womb man. He's trying to find somebody who will intercede. Somebody who will be an ageless door of destiny. Someone who is a gateway that will lift up their heads to heaven, and allow Him to come through them into the earth. Because God's got some things He wants to do in the earth, right? But the, those who have the delegated authority won't answer the phone when He's trying to make an appointment to come fix the broken toilet. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Are you picking this up, right? So He says that He shook His head in amazement. Let's... I went through those a little quick. Let's go back to that one. Um, 59 and 16. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. In other words, he's like, can you believe nobody's opening up? No, nobody's uh, uh, you know, interceding. What is an intercessor? An intercessor is when you go uh, and plead the, the, the case or the cause um, for someone else uh, to a higher authority. Um, so an intercessor is a go-between. Amen. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's, it started in elementary school, right? You know, um, hey, Susie, uh, Marvin likes you, okay? And, uh, and he's, he's too chicken to talk to you, Susie, but um, I know that he likes you. He told me he liked you, and... Um, and uh, he wanted me to give you this note here, right? Will you go with me? Circle one, yes or no? Remember that, right? That's an intercessor, right? You, you're a go-between. You, you, you got two parties that, that you're bridging the gap between them. So God's in heaven. He's got some things He's wanting to do upon the earth, but He has no intercessor. There's, there's no man to cooperate with Him. There's, there's no gate. There's no open door for, through which He can pass. So what was His answer? His answer was that his own arm would bring salvation for him 
and His own righteousness would sustain Him. What, what is that all about? Well, let me tell you what it's about. It's about Jesus coming down here as a man. Because when Jesus became a man, now we got Father in heaven, now we've got an ageless door of destiny that is wide open. Now we've got a gate that's eyes are firmly fixed on heaven through which God the Father can now pass into uh, time and space, amen, and do what He desires to do among us. Found Himself a man. <laughs> he became a man. Amen. How about, again, 63.5. So I looked and there's nobody to help. God's like, need a little help down there. You know, we're, we're down here going, well, I wonder why God won't help us. <laughs> and God's up in heaven like, I need somebody to help me help you. I pray that all the time, man. I pray that all the time. Father, help me help you help them. Help me help you help them. Right? I can't help you without Him. Can't help nobody without Him. That does a couple of things. Number one, it's me recognizing that He's the help everybody needs. Amen. And He's trying to help folks. Right? But folks, either they don't know how to let Him help them or they're not interested in letting Him help them. And, and, uh, and so Father's like, Lord, help me help you help them. He said, I look and there's nobody to help. And see, this, this, this confuses us, and I'm not trying to confuse you. Don't let it confuse you, right? See, we think God don't need no help. Wrong. Wrong. Need some help. You've got to cooperate with Him. You've got to work with Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise God. I'm on... Oh, man, I've got too many verses here. I can't have too many verses, but... Amen. Um, let's do this. Let's go to, let's go on to, to um, Genesis two fifteen. I'm not going to give the whole explanation here. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it, to tend and keep. Okay, and 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 what what this this verse is? I don't know how it wound up right here. And I'm, Amen. But let me. It should have went with the part about the lease. So the, the idea is that it's speaking of stewardship here. Right? That, that, that we were given something by God that we're now responsible. Tend and keep. Okay? What the Bible teaches is that sin turned our tending and keeping into toiling. Amen. And, 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 and the painful misery of work. Um, when you're doing what you were put on this earth to do, you can work really hard and really long hours and love every minute of it. Amen. Because it's tending, it's not toiling. Okay? So, there's, there's a lot there, amen, that we could talk about. Let, let, me, let me say, thank you Holy Spirit, let me just say one other thing. The difference between ownership authority and that delegated authority. Okay, and this we really need to understand this. Because every second of worry and stress and anxiety that you've ever experienced in life has been because you tried to take ownership of something that you're not the owner of. Okay? Are you following what I'm saying? See, um, 
when, uh, when the air conditioning system goes out, uh, on, on the church also has some rental property. So you know, the air conditioning system went out in the first unit across the street a couple of years ago, right? Okay. Well, those folks that, that, that were there tending the business, <laughs> amen, they, 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 hey, Pastor Mark, uh, we need some help over here. It's getting hot up, up in here, right? You see what I'm saying, right? In other words, see, if they were the owner of that building, then they would be like, man, how are we going to pay for this air conditioning? Right, how, whoa, whoa, man, we didn't budget for that this month. What in the world, right? See, they didn't stress about that at all because that's not their problem. That's ownership's responsibility. Seems like the Bible says something like this, cast all your care upon Him, right? Because He cares for you. See, we get all stressed out when we start taking ownership of stuff we're not supposed to be taking ownership of, right? We're supposed to be a gateway, right? So when there's something that we need, we call the owner, it's called prayer, and, and we, through faith, and we connect with Him to, to come through us as an ageless door of destiny. Uh, to, to take care of whatever needs to be fixed, right? Hey, Pastor Mark, this roof's leaking over here, just dripped on my head, right? Amen. They're not trying to figure out how to pay for that roof because they don't have ownership authority. They have delegated lease authority, legal authority. Amen. So we've got to recognize this as legal authority. Amen. We, God's got the resources to fix the stuff that needs to be fixed down here. We get all stressed out when we Start trying to take ownership of things that we're not the owner of. I double dog dare you to start confessing every morning and multiple times throughout the day, but at least every morning. Start confessing out of your mouth, out loud, so your own ears can hear you say it. My life is not my own to do with as I please. I don't own my life. Amen. I started saying that because I was trying to really renew my mind to, to being humble and living more humbly before God, it had, a, it had an effect on me that I, I had not expected, a positive effect. And that was, as my mind began to really be renewed to this idea that I don't own my life, right? I, I don't own this. God owns this. So if I, get a, if I got a problem with my hip, I call the owner. Right? Amen. All right, Luke chapter 10, that's where we really need to be right now, but I just, amen, that, that's free, all this is free, amen, that's just, that just a hors d'oeuvre, amen. Quit being, I, I'm serious when I say this, how that verse got right there, I'm going, what in the world is that verse doing right there? And I'm trying to figure out how to skip it, but amen, maybe that was a divine appointment for somebody in here, who needed to hear that? You're not the owner, right? Okay, thank you. It's good, it's good to, uh, Amen. Ah, thank you, Jesus. All right, Luke chapter 10. We've looked at these verses before, so we're coming back for a different reason now, though. It says this, verse 1, After these things the Lord appointed seventy others also and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. Then He said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, now, this, this particular verse takes me a minute, um, and I don't want to, how do I say this? I don't, I don't want to confuse you here 
But I'll, I'll never forget, it just kind of jumped off the page at me one day. And there's sometimes, there's sometimes when I try to say this, I say it better than others. So, amen, I just, tr- again, relying on the Holy Spirit to help me say it. But think about what he's saying here, specifically in verse number 2. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Now, the harvest is His. And the laborers are His. So why is it necessary for us to pray for there to be laborers to go and do the work. And the harvest here, he's talking about helping people, bringing the gospel of the kingdom and the results of the gospel of the kingdom into other people's lives. Let me me try to say it this way. Jesus is going, man, the need is so great. There's so many people hurting. There's so many people suffering. But the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into whose harvest? His harvest. So you're going, wait a second. The harvest is His. The laborers are His. What is the need for prayer? Well, here I believe is the answer. Yes, the harvest is His. And yes, the laborers are His. But the field and the responsibility for the harvest is ours. The field is ours and the responsibility for the harvest is ours. Amen? Let me, let me give you one of, my, uh, one of my maxims. Are you ready? Things are better when you pray and they're not when you don't. That's it. Amen. <laughs> Plain and simple. All right. Now, there are some folks who've heard me say that for years, and so now they quote me, but they leave that last part out. If you're going to quote me, quote me now. Things are better when we pray. Everybody likes to, things are better when we pray. Things are better when we pray. And they're not when we don't. See, one of the things the devil never wants you to understand about being the legal authority is that because you are the legal authority on earth, your prayers and your cooperation with God make a tremendous difference in what happens on this planet. Now you think, well, God's God. God can do anything God wants to do. If He wants them people help, by God, He'll just help them. He'll help them while they sleep at night. He'll just do whatever He wants. No, no, that's not, that ain't, that's not how this is set up. Jesus is desperately saying, I need some help. There are so many people that have so many needs, right? 
And so few people who are wanting to become an, 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 a door of destiny, a gateway through which I can come through them and work. Notice the context here is that he gets 70 other people. He appoints them. He anoints them. He empowers them. He blesses them. He gives them delegated authority to go operate in his name. What do they do? They heal the sick. They cast out devils. They declare the, the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, right? And, and, and we see that they had astounding results. But Jesus recognized that He was not enough, 12 were not enough, 70 were not enough. When I say He was not enough, I mean as one man on planet earth, there's no way that He could ever... Uh, I'm not trying to blast... Listen to me, please. I'm not, I didn't mean to offend you when I said God's not enough. Jesus is enough for the whole world. Amen. But as a man, He could only be in one place at one time. Amen. I forget. You know, I was... Two things about laying hands on people and praying for them. Number one, the first time that it was an, uh, an older lady and she had one of them like Sunday hairdos, you know what I'm saying? And I was just young youth pastor, right? And pastor said, you know, come up here and lay hands on folks. And, you know, I was so honored that she come to me, you know. And uh, I was, as a kid, I used to watch the elders, you know, they come up here and stand up front, you know, for people to come and get prayer. And you always felt sorry for that guy that nobody went and stood in front of, right? You know, I'm like, man, I'm just going to let him pray for me. I don't even really need prayer, but I'm just feeling, I feel bad for him. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, man, I just hope somebody comes stands in front of me pray for me. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, so, so anyway, this lady comes. And, and so then, you know, like, it's real. You know what I'm saying? It's real. And, uh, and so I went to lay hands on her, and I got my hands about right here, and I realized, <laughs> ooh, man, what am I about to do, right? Am I, you know? I mean, I saw Jesse Duplantis, man. Jesse Duplantis just grab him by the head, you know what I'm saying? And somehow in my mind, that's kind of what I thought I was going to do to my hands got about right here, and I went, hold on a second here, you know? And I'm like, I'm about to ruin a $75 hairdo. I go, whoa, now, you know? And uh, so I think I, I, I wimped out. Now, I've gotten a little more bold, but I kind of laid my, I did my hand like this on the back of, back of her shoulder, you know what I'm saying? Amen. All right. There you go, sister. If it's done properly, it shouldn't move. See, if, if, if Melanie had done the hair, I could have just grabbed it, right? Okay. I just grabbed that hairdo. All right. You probably did her hair. It's a pleasant grove. Anyway, I know that was a long time ago. But anyway, thank you, Jesus. All right. So, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, you go. You, you minister. You, you lay hands. You, uh, you do these things. But notice he also recognized that that, um, oh, I, I had a reason for telling that story. Two things I said. One's the first lady. The second one was when, uh, when I was, man, I was feeling it, man. I was, woo, hallelujah, Jesus, you know. And um, so prayer line, right, my own prayer line now. I'm, I, I'm not just there standing there for people to come. I'm like calling folks to come pray. Well, you know, got them all down there. Man, I, here I go, you know, down to this end. After about four people, I start looking down there, I'm like, dude, we're going to be here till tomorrow at lunch. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I know it sounds crazy if you've never, if you've never done anything, but I'm like, goodness gracious, these people are going to be asleep by the time I get to the other end of this thing, right? So the point I'm trying to make is, it, it, Jesus recognized, so he, he delegates to the 12, then he delegates to 70, but he's also telling the 12 and the 70, pray for more help. Because Jesus recognized that the more people who were willing to work in the harvest would directly affect the amount of harvest that could be brought in. 
If you've got a hundred acres of corn and you've got seven people to go pick that corn, well, I mean, you know, you, you, you like asking them folks about, you know, two o'clock, you got any friends that could come help pick corn tomorrow, right? <laughs> because what are you realizing? You're realizing that the more people you have to work the harvest, the greater the harvest that's going to be brought in. Now, we're not talking about corn. We're talking about, we're talking about precious human lives on planet Earth. So are you seeing that if, if, if he's looking for somebody to come through, to work through, Shook his head in amazement that nobody wanted to help. That there were no intercessors. Nobody willing to participate or cooperate. Amen? Alright, let's... Um, praise God. Let's, uh, let's shift now for a moment. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke the 19th chapter. When I say shift, we're going to stay on the same subject. We're going to... We're going to make some bold statements, okay? And I want you to go ahead and get to the verses before we make those bold statements, all right? Amen. Luke chapter 19. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. These, these guys aren't walking out. They've got responsibilities to foundry, so amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Luke chapter 19. The subheading for this section is this. Are you ready? God's will and man's authority. Okay. God's will and man's authority. Does God have a will? Absolutely. What do we mean by that? Well, God's will is what God desires. What God wants. God's will for your life is what God desires for your life. And that's not just you know, you know, the major decisions. God's will for my life in marriage. God's will for my life in career. God's will for my life in church and pastor. All that, of course is part of what God desires for you. But we're, we're talking about, and I'll get to this in a minute, but we're talking about His all-encompassing will for your life. And that was established for you by Him before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. Wrote in a book. Before you ever lived a single day. Psalm 139. Before you get too upset about that, he didn't write all that crazy stuff we did. We wrote that. That's what reconciliation is, right? When you get out of making your life up as you go along and you get on the path that he had for you before you were ever created. And remember we established that he created you in light of that plan. Sweet spot of life it's when you get on the same page with God. Joy unspeakable and full of glory is how one writer called it. Alright, now. I'm going to make two statements and then I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. 
But these statements are going to tip over some sacred cows. Okay? The, these statements are going to undo some religious traditions and, and popularly held traditional beliefs that just simply are not supported by Scripture. Okay? Number one, not everything that happens on this earth is God's will. Not everything that happens on this earth is God's will. Now I'm trying to slow down here for a minute. Okay? Because these truths can sometimes have a tendency to you know, scrape off some scabs and open up some wounds and things of that nature. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to offend you or hurt you. Okay. What I mean by that is, when folks have experienced some sort of loss or even tragedy in their lives or family, we find some kind of peace in this concept that it was God's will for it to happen even though we don't understand it it don't make any sense to us that's when that verse we looked at in Isaiah 55 is taken out of context God's ways are higher than our ways you know. and you know I mean there are secret things that belong to the Lord Okay? Alright? There are secret things that belong to the Lord. But there are a whole lot of things that He's explained to us in His Word that we need to understand. Your enemy wants you to believe that everything that happens on this planet is somehow being controlled by God, that He's the giant puppet master and and, and he somehow is working all of these things and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's just simply not the truth. Not everything that happens on this earth is God's will. How many times have we heard that, right? And, and that's true. But not all of them are God's reasons. Thank you, sister. Oh, forget Sister says, um, everything happens for a reason. Are we still, I guess we're still, praise God. Okay. Amen. Can somebody check and see if we're still streaming? Amen. Hallelujah. Do what now? How long ago was it blinking? You know what? We're going forward. Amen. I don't know what happened. Amen. God is good. That's the first time that's happened. We've had a lot happen. That's the first time that's happened.
All right, let's go home. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not going to leave you hanging there. This will be a bad place to leave you hanging. I don't either. Or why it did it. Only thing I can figure is maybe something happened with the internet connection. Everything happens for a reason. Why did I stop? Because I looked at that camera and it's supposed to be a red light. Yeah. Telling me it's recording. And the good news is I don't have to say that for the camera because nobody's out there listening for you to say it. <laughs> You're exactly right. He says he's not willing that any should perish. But we know that people perish all the time without him. It's not his will. It's not his will. Let's, um, I, I said two statements, and then I'm going to give you some verses, okay? Um, not everything that happens is God's will, and not everything that is God's will automatically happens. In other words, we think, well, if God wills it, then that's it, man. It's, it's, it's done deals. No, He wills things all the time. He wants things, desires things for us all the time. So not everything that happens on the earth is God's will, and not everything that is God's will automatically happens. Not everything that is His will, not everything that is God's will automatically happens. So if you don't understand that man's legal authority on the earth, you know, you, you just do like so many... I mean, you do what people who don't even know the true and living God do. It's like, well, you know, um, the gods, uh, you know. And we've angered the gods. So there's a tornado. We've angered the gods. And so there, you know. There's a, it's, it's just... It's history of humanity on planet Earth, right? Blame, blame the gods. Or blame God. So again, not everything that happens... On the earth is God's will, and not everything that is God's will automatically happens. So Luke chapter 19 and verse number 41. Praise God. Luke 19 verse 41. It says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying... If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. So what in the world is this all about? Well, this is Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And if you've ever seen this in a movie or in a, uh, uh, maybe an Easter drama or play, um, this is when they're waving the palm branches and they're shouting Hosanna. And, and a lot of times Jesus is, is depicted... It, you know, almost like a politician, you know, kind of up on that donkey waving to the crowd, okay? That's not what he was doing. 
The Bible says that when he saw Jerusalem laid out before him, that he began to cry. And, and, and literally, when it says he saw the city and wept over it, if you go to the original language, he was what we would call around the Winslet household, he was ugly crying. You know what ugly crying is, right? When your whole face turns upside down. He was weeping bitterly. Sobbing almost uncontrollably. Why? He said, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but are now hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you. So, let me stop here. Jesus, on this donkey, looking at Jerusalem out ahead of Him, is seeing their future. He is seeing what is coming for them, and it is not going to be good. As a matter of fact, it's going to be horrible. Enemies are going to surround them on every side. They're not only going to level that city, they're not only going to kill the men, they're going to kill the women and the children. They're basically going to burn it to the ground and what they can't burn, stone structures, they're going to level. All this actually happened in A.D. 70 when Rome finally had enough with its non-compliant, intolerant, child called Jerusalem. You understand how the Roman Empire worked. They would conquer a people and it was an iron fist with a velvet glove called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And as their empire grew and expanded and grew and expanded, it became very difficult to govern. And so their strategy was to allow the people to basically continue to govern themselves with an overlord uh, governing them. This is why if you read the story of Jesus, you know, you, you got the Sanhedrin, you got Herod, and then you got Pilate, right? The Roman governor. And, and you're like, well, what in the world is Herod doing? I mean, he's not king. Herod, he's not the king. Well, he was, except for he answered to Rome. Remember, they wanted to kill Jesus, but they couldn't, they couldn't kill Him without the Romans signing off on it. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So, they would basically conquer a people and let them keep their religion. Let them basically keep their government and they would just install a government over their government. And, and so, um, the, the, the buzzword of their day is now the new buzzword in our day, right? Tolerance. So, the Romans just could not for the life of them understand why their synagogues couldn't be shared with people who sacrificed pigs and had sex in their blood as worship to their God in that synagogue on the days they weren't using it. Right? Are you following what I'm saying? They, they, they didn't... In other words, it's like, look, you worship your God, we're fine with that, but we're going to worship our God, and you've got a really nice building, and that building's ours now because we just conquered you, and we're going to do that in... And so, again, it was a constant uh, battle with them. And, and again, in AD 70, Rome's going to have enough. I mean, it's just, it, it's just they're through with them, and, and it's going to be bad. And Jesus knew it was coming. As a matter of fact, not only did Jesus know it was coming... 
Part of what Jesus tried to do while He was here on the earth was get those folks some truth and some answers that would have prevented it. That's what He means by they're hidden from your eyes now. Things that would have made for your peace. Think about what He's saying here. He's saying, I came to tell you things. I came to teach you things. I came to give you things that would have rewritten the history that's now waiting on you. Jesus, this is roughly, and I know I'm doing simple math here, but Jesus, A.D. 30, 33, something like that, if we could just do round numbers, Jesus is looking 40 years in the future. Do you realize 40 years in the future, there are going to be people who are adults with children that aren't even born yet, that are going to be slaughtered by the Romans because their grandparents and great-grandparents waved the middle finger of their life in Jesus' face and would not receive from Him the things that He came to give them and things to teach them. Again, as Jesus said, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. What is He saying? He's saying that there was a window in time that was open for you. That, that if you would have listened and if you would have learned and if you would have humbled yourself, it would have written an entirely different future for you. But he says now that window is closing because Jesus is riding into Jerusalem for the last time, when, uh, at least as a man on this earth. He's about to come out of Jerusalem with a cross on His back. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You didn't recognize the opportunity that you had. You didn't take advantage of the opportunity that you had. You will never ever tell me, not that somebody in here is trying to, but you will never ever convince me that what happened in AD 70 was God's will. Jesus did everything that He could to try to change that to try uh, to avert that tragedy. Dusty, I believe it was that in general, but I believe it was some very specific things that involved um, the, the power of God, the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit. Remember, A.D. 70 is going to be long after Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on all flesh, the church is being established, all of these things, right? Um, had, had these folks received Him as their Messiah and, and allowed Him to work in and through their lives, right? Um, amen. So exactly what those things are, I mean, you know, we can look at the, everything from you know, praying for those who have the rule over you to, you know, all, all the different things that Jesus came to teach. But for them, it was just a wholesale rejection of them. And, and, and I, I know some people think this. Again, they say, well, this was God punishing them for rejecting Jesus. Absolutely not. This, is not, this was not what God desired for them. But they made their choices 
Man, I am, this has just been bubbling up in me for weeks now. It's bubbling up in me on Sundays. It bubbled up in me in class this morning. We have got to give God the place in our lives He deserves. What it boils down to is these people did not give Jesus place. They ridiculed Him. They, they rejected Him. See, that, I never could understand why He kept going back to the temple. He would go back down there and they would set Him up. They would try to embarrass Him. They'd try to kill Him. You know, they make fun of Him. And, and next thing you know, a few days later, He's right back down there. Right? It's because He knew that He had the truth that they needed that would have changed their lives and their destiny and their and destiny of their unborn grandchildren. It's an urgency on His part. But a rejection from them on theirs. Wow. So, in this passage, we see past, present, and future all mentioned and connected. Past tense, if you had known. Present, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Future, days will come upon you. Now, let me... Let me try to put something positive on this, though, for you and me. Yes, sir. I, I mean, obviously, general question, so generally speaking, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, um, one of my favorite verses, John 1, 17. Um, if we'd had more time, ladies, that's where we'd have wound up this morning, but he came to His own, His own received Him not, but as many as received Him. To them He gave the right and the might, the power and the privilege to become sons of God who were born not of, the, not of men, not of the flesh, will of man, but were born of God. So, you know, we've been talking about on Sundays Jesus as both the most influential man in history, but also the most polarizing. And as C.S. Lewis said, he didn't leave you the option of being indifferent towards him. I mean, you, it, it, Jesus said it this way, you, you're either for me or you're against me. And this idea that Jesus is just all right with me is, is, is you know. Um, we, we used to be told in altar calls, you know, that you could step out of the church and get hit by a truck, you know, and people trying to scare us to get saved. I got older and I realized that really doesn't happen that often, Okay. Um, and that because of God's mercy, um, and hopefully if you're referring to somebody in particular, that on their deathbed, we never know what happened in those last few seconds, you know, when, you know, call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, right? Um, but what I've learned was this, it's not that you will never have, if you want to take the chance, then, you know, He loves you so much, He's going to do everything He can to get you another opportunity to receive Him, Okay. What I do know is that you'll never have this opportunity again. Okay? And I also know that every time you reject Him, it, it becomes easier to do it the next time. Right? Um, but when we talk about these things, let's remember, we're not just talking about salvation. God's not just interested in your eternal destination. He's interested in your daily victory. And so I believe there will be a lot of folks in heaven that missed out on a whole lot of what they could have enjoyed on the earth had they given God the place in their lives that they deserved. Does that make sense? Okay.
Um, so we can't do anything about the past, but we've got today. Now, here is, did I see another hand? Okay. Okay. So here is the amazing thing about this, okay? That I want you to really lay hold of tonight. Based on this scripture, and I don't think I'm stretching it to fit, based on this scripture, that means that our Heavenly Father, through the Word made flesh, the Holy Word of God, and by the Holy Spirit, that means He's trying to teach me and you some things tonight that will be making a difference in our lives 40 years from now. 100 years from now. If it's not too big of a stretch for you, a thousand years from now. Because this is an eternal covenant, right? But let's go back to a more manageable, you know, amen. Um, in other words, it's not just about Him trying to help you now. It's about things that He's trying to show you and decisions that He's trying to, to lead you into making now that will affect generations of your family that will be on the earth should Jesus tarry His return long after we're all in heaven. You know, who knows, maybe my great-great-great-grandchildren and Kim's great-great-great-grandchildren will be you know, somewhere serving Jesus together, raising the dead somewhere in another country. I don't know. You, you see what I'm saying? I know God didn't bring our lives together by coincidence. Are you... Are you I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to get all like crazy on you as far as like, but but again, you know, God sees things we don't see. You ever had that in a, in a you you see a friend that's like just just absolutely just maybe just destroying their life, making decisions, and you see, I mean, it's like you stand back and you see where those decisions are leading, and you're like, man, listen, hey, maybe you want to think about this before you, buy, you know, in other words, think about our heavenly Father, Jesus, man, He is like crying uncontrollably because of what's going to happen. And here's, here's the sad thing. It didn't have to be that way. See, just, you know, 70 years later, you know, God, you know, that'll teach them to reject Jesus. God, you got them. You got, no, see, that ain't, that's, that's not His will. You never convinced me that was His will. All right, I'm about out of time. Let's do, let's do one more. Luke. Try not to be bummed out about the, the, the live stream, but that's okay. Luke, um, well, it's, thank you. All things happen for a reason. No, just, um, <laughs> um, that's kind of right up there with Sinner Saved by Grace for me too, by the way, so you nailed it. All right, okay, so, um, oh, now that one right there, bro, that's on another God won't put more on than you can bear. You know what I'm saying? God help us, Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. We got to get somebody out there that can, like you said, Pam, that nobody. Yeah, so, Amen. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right. Can, can I give you one more verse and then we'll, amen, not just call it a night, we'll call it a year, I guess, right? Or next year. All right. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. 
and verse 34. Strategically by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, before I give you that, I probably should have put this on the, on the screen as well. Um, to me, one of the more beneficial translations of the New Testament is the Kenneth Wiest translation. If you're looking for that online, it's W-U-E-S-T, pronounced Wiest, spelt like, don't ask me how, Woost or something anyway. Um, it's, uh, this is how he translates the phrase, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because you did not recognize the strategic epical season of God's gracious overseeing care and offer of help. Because you did not recognize the strategic epical season of God's... Epical is referring to a unique and highly significant period of time. A unique and highly significant period of time. So again, because you did not recognize the strategic, unique, and highly significant period of time of God's gracious overseeing care and offer of help. Am I the only one that feels like the time we spend together in here on Wednesdays is a unique and highly significant period of time? You follow what I'm saying here? Um, try to get all emotional on you, but you know, God, God brought our lives together for His purposes to prosper among us. I, some of you in the foundry, you know, I talk about how that tier two Monday morning weighs on me, you know. Again, because it's a, what, unique and highly significant period of time. Amen. 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 All right, let me give you this last verse. Luke 13, 34, 35. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, again, this is Jesus speaking, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But God was not willing. Is that what it says? It says, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you know, if you realize, I did this backwards, but blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that's going to be the next time they see him is when he's riding in on the donkey crying. Okay? Now, notice what he's saying here to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often, God's speaking here, how often I wanted, I willed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But it never happened. God willed it, but it never happened. And it didn't happen, not because God didn't will it, but because these people were not willing. They were not willing. They would not allow Him to do what God wanted to do, desired to do in their lives. Amen. Amen. Now, Inevitably, when we teach this section, we get a lot of questions. I want to, just in an effort, in just a couple of minutes to, and we'll pick back up here, because we're not through with this, but we'll pick back up here. 
the two things I want to just plant in your heart before we go any further is there will always be exceptions. In other words, I don't know of anybody specifically, but I guarantee you there were people in Jerusalem who did listen to Jesus, who did hear what He had to say, who were spared. Remember, a whole generation coming out of Egypt rejected God, Moses' leadership, and the Promised Land, but there were exceptions, notably Joshua and Caleb. Amen. Now, a lot of the questions that have come up over the years involve God knowing things in advance. The, the, the line we have to draw, though, is this. Just because God knows something in advance does not mean He is the one making it happen. Okay? So, some of the deeper questions then involve, well, if God knows it's going to happen anyway, then blah, 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 okay? Well, amen, I know there's different thoughts on this. I'm not going to try to open a big old can of worms, but I want to leave you with something comforting, all right? And the comforting thing I want to leave you with is this. We can at least find rest in an understanding that Father is going to hold nothing back to save a man, a family, even a nation, even if He knows in advance that man, family, or nation will never be saved. Now, I think there are deeper things at play here, but I'm just trying to give you something to grab hold of, right? Um, if we learn anything from this, Jesus' efforts were not successful, not because of any failure on his part, but again, the people wouldn't give him place. It wasn't God's will, but it happened anyway. Okay? But what we can see is that God's going to try. Even if he knows. Right? But here's, here I think is the, is, the, um, is the answer to that. Okay? And it's back to the Joshua's and the Caleb's, right? It's, it's back to the Remember, he said, broad's the way that leads to destruction. It's a big old wide six-lane highway and everybody's on it and they're, and they're headed to destruction. And, uh, but he said, narrow is the way that leads to life and salvation and few they be that find it. See, we live in a world where we think, you know, if, if, if eight out of ten dentists say this is the toothpaste, then that's the toothpaste, right? We live in a world that majority seems to, 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 to be the rule. But now, see, we've broke from that pack, Amen. We broke from that pack, man. We, we, you know, I don't, what all is going to happen to this world and all that's going on in this world? I, I, you know, some people say recessions coming, all sort of stuff. I didn't participate in the last recession, right? Amen. You see what I'm saying? So even if these things happen on a global scale, a family scale, a community scale, because of a family, a nation, or a community's rejection of God, that don't mean you have to participate. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for life and peace. I pray, Father, um, for this upcoming Christmas season, this upcoming New Year. I thank you, Father, that um, for a lot of folks in this room, Lord, it's going to be um, one of the not only unique, uh, most unique New Year's of their lives, new, most unique Christmases of their lives because of where they are in their walk with you this, this Christmas, but Lord, it's going to be one of the best. 
And so, Father, we thank You for not just what You're doing in us and, th- and for us, but what You're doing through us. Lord, some in this room will see family they haven't seen in a long time. And perhaps even some, Father, a little anxious about that. But, Father, I thank You that, that Your light is shining in their faces. And, Lord, I thank You that, that um, they're going to be uh, one of the very, very bright spots in their family's Christmas this year. And so thank you for good things. Thank you for life and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. I love you. Good things coming. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you.